Hello and welcome back to part 3 of True Grit Down Under a thigh gap special on the Border Gavaskar series 2021 between India and Australia. If you're listening to this first, make sure you go back and check out parts 1 and 2 where we followed the team's journey through Adelaide and Melbourne and now we are on to the match at Sydney. My name is Bogus Noog and with me is my co-host Being Brute. What is up, Brute? What's up, Bogus? I think we are finally here, knocking on the doors of the SCG. Yes. So, just to cover the Sydney match very quickly before we get into the detail, of course. Yep. In the first innings, Australia comes out with positive intent, a dominating 338 all out, followed by India who falls short at 244 all out, and then Australia come back to add another 300 runs before declaring, leaving India to either chase down the score and try to get a victory or try and survive and escape defeat. But before we get to that and before we dig into the details, let's look at what the run up to the sydney match was we ended our part 2 brood with what was the immediate aftermath of the melbourne test mm-hmm. what were the players saying what was social media saying etc the people are speaking the people they always yeah, speak yeah they started speaking louder after the infamous victory at melbourne by india yeah logon ka kaam hai kehna as they say and uh, ricky ponting true to <laughs> true to the spirit comes out and in the media and urges the australian team to show more intent yeah i mean mm. come on what's going on is because as Ricky Ponting of course uh, can't blame me for having the hangover of uh, number 36 no i mean hangover of the kind of cricket they used to play his team yeah you know? yeah but so, compared to that can't blame me for coming out and saying show I, more I, intent i'll get into the details later but mm. let's move on what's the next point the next big thing or significant thing that happened was steve smith came out in the media and admitted that ashwin kind of got to him yeah. in the first and second test and the very fact that he came out and admitted it showed that pretty brave of I mean the champion player that he is. Yeah. It showed that he was confident enough to come out and say it. Accept. Accept it and that also was warning bells for India because Sydney is also a ground that he loves to play in. Yeah. And so already we're going into Sydney with the specter of Steve Smith looming all over us. And Australia have half of David Warner and a full Will Pukowski coming in replacing Travis Head. Yeah. Because of his performances Will Pukowski of and course. And Joe Burns. And Will Pukowski of course very well uh, widely known up until that point as a promising up and coming talent from Australia yes, yes. but he was there he was there bet for shuman gill yeah like for like replacement if right. you can say that and popular not just because of his recent match performances uh, in australia but also because of the number of injuries he tends to take on himself especially concussion injuries <laughs> So there was a bit of concern for Pukowski as well because everyone knew he was going to face some music when he came in and there was a minor scare brood involving five Indian players at a hotel in Sydney. You know, yeah, I mean <laughs> like breaking co- the covid had to come in. Covid, COVID had to needed come to have its share of publicity in the series. Yeah, it was a lunch yeah. at a Sydney restaurant. Yeah. Uh, it involved Rishabh Pant, Shubman Gill, Navdeep Saini, Rohit Sharma yeah. and I forget the fifth There was an Indian fan who saw them having their lunch, yeah, and he offered to pay their bill, basically, which is very weird. I mean, it's a it's a classy gesture, I would say. Uh huh. Is it just They're to show appreciation? Rich guys, like what are you? I know, but there? you know, it's not about the rich kind of thing, but it's also I'm not hounding you at your table for autographs or I'm not taking selfies, but I'm just going to tell the restaurant to not charge you. Uh huh. So you guys go at it, have your food. Okay. So I mean, it's it is a classy gesture. Yeah, but weird thing, blown out of proportions, obviously. I mean, yeah, it was blown out of proportion, but it was. funny because this guy when he offered to pay the bill and the players got to know yeah uh, allegedly they uh, shook hands or met up and then uh, allegedly pant hugged this guy yeah and this guy obviously social media you know you any small mileage you get that you can actually put a post on and it's not just about the idli you had in the morning it, yeah, it's but it also the different. glass with which you drank that water exactly yeah it's slightly different an indian player came and hugged you so he couldn't hold his excitement and he posted it in social media yeah. saying oh i got hugged by rishabh pant and this became a huge thing in australia right i honestly don't know how this is adding up to the test series but it definitely did one thing it unnecessarily deviated the whole you know intensity of the match mm-hmm. to something so petty i can tell you how it added up because in the immediate aftermath of that incident there was a possibility that few of those players might have to sit out because they broke the bubble yeah. because they would have to go back into the bubble with the rest of the australian squad right 
if they really broke biosecurity protocol yeah. then that means they may have to sit out and that could have been a card australia could have played yeah. but luckily it turned out not to be that way because when this guy put out that social media post and it went viral he was obviously expecting a lot of shabash and yeah wow dude yeah. Awesome, bro! You're, you're chilling, chilling with them. Yeah, you're chilling with the players. Yeah. Instead, all the chicks are yours. He must have got his ass kicked because everyone was saying, "Bastard!" Because of you, now these like, players might be missing he, out. I mean, like his landlord would have been a better rent payer, Gandhu. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> stop paying their bills. Pay up my bills. And so our hero was quick to come back to social media and say, "Oh, by the way, when I said he hugged me, yeah, it they didn't. Like, it was like a virtual hug. Yeah, it was not like he didn't. Bodies I mean, weren't touching. Yeah, no coconuts knocking." Yeah, yeah. When I said he hugged me, I meant that he did not actually. Yeah, it, it um, was like you got it wrong. I just got carried away yeah. in the excitement, yeah. and you know he tried to cover it up. Yeah, no one kind of bad cover up. But that was a funny thing that happened. What else? There was already rumors about the Indian squad not wanting to go to Brisbane, and their reasoning was because Brisbane is in Queensland. Yeah, and, and there are a lot had, of cases there. I mean, not not just that. It Compared. was the Queensland government was actually being very adamant that we don't care whether they've been a by in a bubble throughout Sydney or whatever that's yeah. a different territory we want you to if you're coming back. into our province yeah. you've got to do the whole thing again two weeks again the yeah. quarantine and all that stuff and they were being very anal about it Yeah. so India was like is it really worth it uh, we don't want to do which it which is a fair point yeah but then how that got translated in the media Australians made a meal yeah they were like oh these guys don't want to come to Gabba yeah. they don't want to come to the Gabba I reckon they're scared of Gabba yeah I scared of the Gabba Mike. I reckon Mike I reckon <laughs> and Tim Payne even came out and you know he there was a video in Crick Buzz about, oh, you know, BCCI, they've got cloud, they've got power. So probably it's not going to be Gabba. Probably we might play somewhere else. Who knows? Yeah. We're just focusing on the game. And, yeah. Uh, you know, oh, yeah, the game might. And uh, from you the... You almost end- sounded like pirates there. We didn't <laughs> sound like Australians in any quarter, but... We're not even trying. Yeah, either. I mean, like, we did try, let's be honest. We, a little bit. But we came off more like pirates. Like. Yeah, let's just say we are not being paid for this. So Exactly. So we don't care how we came across. Yeah. And from the Indian side, you have Rohit Sharma, the hitman. Probably not so much in test, but nevertheless, Sydney yeah. is his favorite ground. Yep. As much as it is Steve Smith's favorite ground. Yep. So again, it's been balanced there. Like, if we anticipate if Smith plays well, mm-hmm. so will Rohit. Yeah, so Roy Sharma, the hitman, is coming back. And Navdeep Saini is joining the squad. He's got yep. some serious pace. Yep. And he's set to be able to bat for a bit. Things are looking good. India is having a five-bowler attack. Let's see how that works out. So, Brute, into the Sydney match now. Yeah. We have a brooding, threatening forecast of a Steve Smith uh, looming over his favorite ground, Sydney. And I felt like when I saw his press conference where he said, yeah, I'll let Ashwin get to me. It seemed like he spent the two weeks in between matches trying to do like an exorcism routine, like rid, <laughs> rid himself of the ghost of Ashwin. But in wore that process... That, wore that silver cross. Yeah, yeah. You know, but in that process, it seems like, yes, he did rid himself of Ashwin's ghost, but then he got possessed by something else altogether he got possessed by his past demons which were working in his favor you mean but the demons of uh, above 60 of, average yeah 27 demons test of hundreds. 60 average 27 right. test hundreds demons of overconfidence demons of freakish batting technique yeah unbelievable sense of self-assuredness uh i think he just went into this zen zone mm. right when i saw that guy bat in the first innings of sydney i actually anticipated 200 yeah yeah, I mean, unless, it looked like it. Unless it wasn't for Sir Jadeja coming with his golden Midas touch, like telling the ball to be like, do what I say. If it wasn't for that, God knows how much he would have scored that day. He was just so comfortable at the crease. That was he just scary. looked like you could not take his wicket. Yeah, there was no other way. The best chance is handling the ball and hit wicket. That probably would have the highest percentage of how you can get Steve Smith out that day. It's, it was almost funny, like a Greek legend, like Achilles. There was no way you could defeat him in battle except if you knew that he had a loophole you hit him in the knee uh, the heel yeah and that's yeah. the only way to that's get him that's the only way yeah and Jadeja the way he swooped in on that ball I mean I watched that in loop <laughs> so many times and every time I see that right the way he looked at the batsman yeah. running and he swooped into the ball it reminded me so much of like an animal planet or a national geography where a, segment yeah, where, where, where a, a cheetah kind of exactly. like goes behind a head yeah yeah you know it was almost like Jadeja was waiting for that one 
one chance where he can challenge Steve Smith's running speed. Mm-hmm. I think Jadeja was just sitting there at, in the ground at his fielding positions and he was like, God, give me just one chance to throw at the stumps and hopefully that would be at Steve Smith's end mm. and I'll promise you, I'll beat this guy. The funny you thing know? is that in reality, it was actually close to that, which is post-match Jadeja actually said that he anticipated yeah. that they might, you know, hit it somewhere near him and because he was too far away, right. they might feel confident and take a run right. and that's when he would actually attack the ball. Yeah. But just that release. Dude, Jereja is, for me, leagues apart from all the best fielders. Mm. But yes, apart from that brilliance of Jereja, I think it was predominantly Steve Smith that day. What an innings, dude, that guy. I specifically remember this one jab-pull kind of a thing that he plays where he looks in such awkward position. You know, if, if you're a conventional batsman, yeah. you technically are not even thinking of that shot. And Smith does it with such ease. It almost is like, yeah, that's how you're supposed to play that shot. Yeah, I don't know why everybody else plays it differently. Which is why I was caught off guard when he used the word Zen for him because for me it was the opposite of Zen. The way he moved on the crease, there was no stability, <laughs> there was no calmness. He was completely like wired onto something like as if he was high on something pretty much. Yeah. Aggressive. Don't use such things with Steve Smith. There can be a distant possibility <laughs> that he might be high on something and it might come out later on and we would be proven right. We might almost be predicting something here. Oh my God, let's hope not. Yeah. <laughs> but aggressive from the first ball. Yeah. It's like, what's Adelaide? What's Melbourne? Yeah. He forgot. It's like he's the first test match that he's playing. You know, that's how you say every batsman has their trademark. Mm-hmm. All good batsmen, right? They get off the mark with an on drive or like a front foot punch or yeah. they have their trademark shot. Like Virat Kohli does that. He comes and plays that punch off the covers and you know that this guy is in form. Justin Langer used to say that when Ricky Ponting used to come in and whenever he started off with an on drive, he said something similar. It's, you knew. It's his day. So that and Steve Smith's that walking drive, I don't know what you call it. He kind of like plays an extended defense shot. Yeah. But it's almost like he's in the middle of a walking stride where he's about five paces down the pitch by the time he finishes his shot. Mm. I mean, beautiful. It's it's as weird as it is to look at his game. He's just like too much in control. Yeah, there was absolutely no answer to him on yeah. that day. Like, yeah. We looked completely helpless. But we were also talking that this Sydney test, Uh yes, Adelaide had that shock and awe factor. Mm -hmm. And yes, Melbourne was a reset. It was a series equalizer. And people were kind of caught up in that. And a lot of weaknesses or loopholes kind of got lost in both Adelaide and Melbourne. But Sydney is where a lot of things actually came out to the surface for people to see. What are you talking about, Pocus? I'm I'm getting to that. So Don't beat around the bush. No, this was the lead up. Thanks for ruining it. <laughs> A lot of things got exposed in Sydney and not just about players, not just about this team or that team, but also about the people viewing the game as well. To start off with, let's take Pujara, for instance. Pujara's first innings 50 was called the slowest 50 in his career. And it's the third slowest all time. And what was the reaction outside of the game, bro? to his 50 it was uh, an illiterate reaction according to me why do you say that i mean you need to understand the context of the game you need to understand the role he is supposed to play you can't take away the fact of what pujara believes or how pujara believes he's contributing to the game let us give some credit to the think tank right let us give some credit to the captain the selection team and the you know the management the mm-hmm. coach and everything if pujara was genuinely so bad so counterproductive for the team Mm-hmm. I'm sure these guys would have evaluated that, right? But the confidence that they show in Pujara is a testimony that he has a designated role. Now, no matter what happens, you are supposed to hold the batting together. You give the confidence for others to like play their natural game. And so are you playing your natural game because that's how you go about with your batting. So in a sense, everybody is playing the natural game and it is for the benefit of the team. It's for the larger good. It's not for the entertainment of uh, for the public or it's you're not putting on like a dance show or a theater show. You're playing a sport. It, it's a lot of strategic moves that you make. It's like a chess game. Pujara, yes, he might not be as lucrative as a Virat Kohli or yes, he might not be that polished, technically so beautiful to look at also. But you got to respect that guy's sacrifices, man. I mean, he's sacrificing all the laurels and all the benefits that you get of being an enterprising player just so that your team can survive the opposition attack. So let me play the devil's advocate here. Okay, play. And uh, go. Ask you that Australia has just made 338 in their first inning. 
things. Right. Steve Smith, big hundred. Right. Now it's India's turn to respond. And it's not like before Pujara got in, we put up a very big score as well. True. So at that instant, if Pujara comes in and makes a 50 and takes 200 odd balls to make that 50, right. put it in perspective, all the fact that you said, you know, you got to respect his contribution. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of worth or value to what he does. Put it in perspective uh, in this context where he just came and made a 50, but he took 200 odd balls to do it. Got it. Where is India getting that value from Pujara in this context? I'll tell you. First and foremost, to give you the game context of Sydney, it was the second day that we were batting. Mm-hmm. So it's still too early in the match. It's not like it's a do or die situation. Look at Adelaide Test. Look at Melbourne Test. Name a partnership which was more than 50 runs or whatever. Only in Melbourne. Right? Yeah. And how many of them was Pujara involved in? All the failures where Pujara is getting out for cheap or whatever. Eight out of ten innings, right? Indian batting order collapses. Okay. So there is a reason for that. For you, in a test match scenario, you need to understand how you buy time at the pitch. It's not like a one day. It's not like you just go and you expect to play a normal game. Not every batsman can do that, right? There's a lot more that goes into it. Pujara absorbs all that pressure. Pujara might give 10 maiden overs mm-hmm. in a trot. Pujara might not score a boundary in like 50 balls. Mm -hmm. But what he is definitely doing is he's absorbing all that initial sting that the bowlers have. Mm. So what happens on the other end is by the time other batsman comes on to strike, now the bowlers are more willing to get him out. So they try more. The moment the bowlers start trying more, there is a scope of error. And bowlers are okay to get that error because they feel that even if I give that one or two boundaries to this guy, I might get him out. Yeah. So by the time he they give that two odd boundaries to the other batsman, Pujara is back on strike, again soaking in all that sting that gen- the bowler is able to generate. So if you look at it mathematically, Pujara single-handedly played about like 40 overs. You basically are tiring out the bowlers for 40 overs is almost like three hours, right? Right. For three hours, the bowlers are bowling without getting a wicket. That is the strategic value of what Pujara does. He comes three down and he absorbs all this pressure and he most often than not stays till that seventh or eighth wicket. Right. And that's the importance. He anchors the innings and that's what you need in a test match, especially with a bowling attack that Australia has. I'm pretty sure at the end of Pujara's career is when people will realize, dude, this guy has contributed a lot for the success of Indian cricket team, especially abroad. One of the popular talking points or grievances out of this slow run rate point of Pujara was that, hey, when he's taking so much time and not scoring any runs, it's putting pressure on his uh, on the other non-striker at the other end. And they then force errors uh, into their batting because they are chasing or they meet tra- wanting to meet a total or something. Uh, what do you make of that? No, no, this is a, this is a one-day mentality. That's not how one... Tests don't run like one-day internationals. So that point doesn't stand any value according to me. Whenever the non-striker looks at Pujara and says, like, tu to wicket nahi dega na. like, you will not get out, right? Yeah. Pujara will be like, yeah, don't worry, I'm here. Then that gives the confidence to the non-striker that, hey, you know what? He's going to be there. He's going to hold the fort. So this allows me to play my game. Right. Right. He's pretty solid technically. All the people who are saying that, oh, it puts more pressure on the non-striker, blah, blah, blah. I don't think they're, I don't know who are these people who are talking that way, by the way. But whoever is doing that, they really don't understand the game. Yeah. The test level game, basically. And whoever was doing that, they were noisy enough that that sound, you know, just overtook all the other valid points that anyone had to make about Pujara's contribution. Yeah, because, you know, I am sorry, but we have a very illiterate audience today Mm -hmm. or followers of cricket. Partially, it might also be because of the glitter glamour that T20 offers or One Day International offers. And I won't blame them for that. But test is a different ball game altogether. There is different dynamics in which you play a test match. And that is why it is the highest level of the game. What do you make of the fact that Ricky Ponding came out and said pretty much the same thing, which Pujara should have batted faster? Is that just mental disintegration or did he actually believe it? First of all, I wouldn't take much of Ricky Ponting's, what do you say, opinions or insights. Why? He's a very grounded guy. He's a very <laughs> grounded guy. Uh, and he's the same guy who said India might probably lose 4-0. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the validations of his statements are not that great. So it predominantly looks like hey, he just wants to put like external pressure on Pujara. Right. Luckily, Pujara doesn't follow social media or the news and he should take pride in that. That he doesn't follow all this noise. Now we're coming on to another thing that got exposed in Sydney. We're looking at another player, Rishabh Pant. You know, Destiny's Child. Yeah. Didn't have a great IPL coming into this uh, series. Yeah. And there were murmurs. 
Yeah, and there were murmurs ki, is this really the keeper that we want? Because we know that against a spinner, well, facing a spinner in, as wicketkeeper, he tends to put a few balls down. And yeah, and I would just want to, first of all, tell this. Again, it's a very valid point that people bring on mm-hmm. that, hey, he's not like that great wicketkeeper batsman. He's 23. Yeah. And it's already been two years since he started playing at international level. A little more than that, maybe. Mm-hmm. And yes, there are complaints about his wicket-keeping skills. Dhoni debuted his test when he was 24. And even he had a lot of wicket-keeping issues initially. Okay. Yeah. A lot of people were like, maybe he's not that great up close to the stumps. He is too bulky, too tall for a wicket-keeper. You know, he doesn't rise with the ball blah, 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 all the technical aspects of it. And look at what Dhoni turned out to be. Yeah, and the script of uh, Rishabh Pan's story just kept going against him from the beginning of the series. And it came to a head in Sydney especially because in the first innings, he had dropped thrice. Yeah. He caused uh, three drops. And also the batting, the first innings, he made about 30 uh, odd runs. 38 quick fire runs. Yeah. Let's let's not just put the number on paper because mm-hmm. that won't tell a lot. Of course. Uh, he made quick fire 38 runs. Yeah. With probably a half good forearm. Yeah, he got injured. He got hit on his forearm. During that innings. Yeah. So let's not take away that. But this is what I have to say about Rishabh Pant. You got Rishabh Pant in the team because he will win your matches single-handedly. Right. But unfortunately right. for him, it's bad enough that he got hit on his forearm. Yeah. And it was doubtful whether he could continue in that match. So he was facing that. But also the fact that he had dropped catches. And in the next innings, you have Saha coming in for... Pant as keeper. He substituted Pant and I think he took a brilliant catch. He took of, a brilliant catch of, to uh, get uh, Manas Labushin out. Yeah. Of he, Siraj, right? Or Saini? Of I think uh, Saini. Saini. Yeah. He dove to his uh, left, left, basically. Yeah. And the minute he caught that catch, you again had these murmurs coming up. Oh, look, what would have happened if that was Pant over there? Yeah, see, I, I won't give too much of heed into it because end of the day, I mean, see, I'm a big Ganguly fan and Ganguly wanted match finish. If Ganguly wanted a keeper, Dhoni would have never played. Dhoni was in the team because he can. He was the X-factor when he came in. Dhoni's wicket-keeping wasn't spoken about until recently or at the end of his career. It was always about his helicopter shot, how he chased down scores, etc., etc., etc. Where were these people, you know, not talking about Dhoni's keeping? So if you look at it now, the moment Pant starts winning your matches, which he did in IPL, he already showed you in IPL that he can. Mm. Previous series, he scored a brilliant 150. And mind you, Pant has a record of highest number of dismissals as a keeper of India. He has about 11 dismissals in his first or second match, which is a record in itself. Right. And keeping is a matter of experience. He's not costing you matches because of keeping. That much I can say. So the script kept going against him. One thing after another kept adding to his cons column. And then you have after him getting injury and not being sure of whether he could return to bat in the second innings. In between, you have that heartwarming story of him practicing in the nets with that injured forearm. And uh, just telling himself after every shot, Chalo, chalo, kuch nahi hua. Yeah. And whenever he got a shot wrong or whenever he gave in to an impulse and played a punt shot, he all, he just followed that up with, Nay, yaar, not that shot. Yeah. Nay, yaar, yeah. not that shot. Yeah. So you have this heartwarming story and then he comes to bat in the second innings. And then see what he has done. It was almost, I mean, I don't have any problem the way he got out. People were like, oh, you know, this is what is immaturity, blah, blah, blah. Like, Come on, dude. That's how, you know, there are some people who live by the sword and die by the sword. Actually, from what I saw, there was not a lot of bickering about how he got out at 97. Outside, I'm not talking about commentary, but... No, not commentary, just outside general fan. Is it? I've heard yeah. a lot saying that, see, this is exactly what is my problem with Panth. No, then those like, are the same people who talk yeah, about Pujara. Then. Yeah, exactly. But... Ex- Exactly my point. But I didn't hear that much noise. The Sydney test second innings at 97 he scored is exactly the reason why I want Pant in every test side. And not just the 97, like we discussed uh, in our previous uh, episodes where we were covering Adelaide and Melbourne, especially Melbourne, yeah. where he comes out and makes a quick fire. Uh, 30 or runs. And just the way he hit those shots, yeah. you could see the Australian body language change. Yeah, yeah. And, and even in the Sydney test, uh, up till Pujara and Pant were batting, mm. right? The opposite forces, once again. Pujara, yeah. the immovable object. Yeah. And Pant, the unstoppable, unstoppable force. force. Yeah. Infusion. I think Australians were secretly pulling out their hair. Yeah. 
yeah. invisibly pulling out they're like what do we do there's one side a guy who doesn't attack at all yeah and there's other side a guy who doesn't defend at all like how do we deal with these guys and right on top of it mm-hmm. which is a lot of unspoken thing about that partnership it left and right combination oh yeah it puts so many things out of place i can only imagine what pain must be going through tim pain would have been literally standing behind the wicket and like okay what the sh- like how do i deal with this maybe that was the reason why what happened he later. might have lost it yeah, yeah he like, completely lost his marbles i'm pretty sure tim pain smelt defeat just he like we have, smelled victory yeah we smelled victory pujara didn't play very slow the second innings he didn't he he wasn't like horribly painstakingly slow he and this was a pretty good 77 and this was just after all that bullshit noise about oh pujara is taking so long to make runs now pujara comes out and in the second innings i don't know whether it was the pant effect that was rubbing off on no, him no no but he was just going for pant was there even in the first innings it was no new element for pujara it was the merit of the situation the beauty about pujara that i like is he plays to the merit of what circumstance he's in mm. and then there's on the other side you see Pant not moving his front foot like slapping the ball off through point and covers and you know lofting Lyon over long on and mid wicket and all at that point I'm pretty sure Tim Payne was kind of like oh shit what just is happening in front of me yeah and watching that partnership made me realize that this Pant Pujara thing the dynamic it's a TV show that I could watch yeah the like, odd couple just the odd couple it's like uh, like you said the captain slow versus this power and yeah, speed like, like sonic the hedgehog james may uh, and uh, jeremy clarkson kind of thing yeah it's like uh, just the jay viru kind of uh, partnership that i'm sure there's a great script uh, because such an odd couple one who's like a matured sensible responsible guy the other the immature happy go lucky romantic yeah you know? and just uh, aggressive takes risks flamboyant in his own fearless way. fearless yes Hey, and come on. So is Pujara is also fearless. Of course, so in his own like, way. Yeah, in his yeah. own way. So we can't take fearless. But, you know, Pant, the flamboyant, college-going guy and Pujara, the professional professor kind of a guy. But just that dynamic they yeah. had and what they did with their opposing personalities is they caused India to start smelling victory when there was Absolutely. more than 300 runs to hit in yeah. the final day. Yeah. And we got pretty close, actually. And also credit to the guy who actually came up with the, who is the brainchild of promoting Pant. Yeah, Pant you know, was promoted ahead of ahead Bihari. Ahead of Bihari. God knows what would have happened the other way around. Yeah. Which would have been interesting to see. But uh, it's a speculation again. It was a brilliant move. It just took Australia by surprise. They didn't anticipate it. And they would have thought that, oh, Pant will score that 30-40 runs and that's that. He'll give in to temptation yeah, and he'll, he'll give fall. Into temptation, yeah, yeah. Which ultimately he did. But, but, but after causing yeah, after, too much damage. After kind of pushing them to the, to the walls. And yeah. at that point, there was still about like 50 50 odd overs to go yeah. and you had about decent 200 runs to score yeah. and you were thinking dude Pant even if he scores another 50-60 runs this is our game yeah. oh yeah uh, Vihari and uh, Ashwin yeah. probably can pull off with Pujara playing the way he's playing because Pujara can switch gears mind you but of course that was not to be because we were missing Jadeja who got his thumb dislocated in the first innings very unfortunate very I unfortunate. think it's just that kind of a series you know yeah. and I then, think Destiny was like okay so Jadeja is your go-to guy is it mm. here take this no more Jadeja for you now let's see how you play and Vihari pulls a hamstring while he's batting with Pujara yeah and uh, that pretty much forced a script on India let's not forget the blows Vihari got while he was feeling oh yeah uh, um, solid blows uh, by Wade I think only Wade no there was Labushin also I think even one, of, one or two Labushin shots kind of hit uh, Vihari yeah that brings me to the next player to focus on which is Hanuma Vihari the kind of series he had been having completely forgettable Adelaide along with the rest of the team yes even his uh, experience and that was forgettable for him Melbourne there was a decent partnership with Rahane that he had yeah. which was the only saving they grace they got out to a bad shot I think it was bad shot selection bad shot selection but you know it was still a saving grace like it was good partnership and then in Sydney he had just dropped Manas Labushain on 47 yep. a laddu ball yeah. and Manas went on to score 91 where he was then ultimately denied a century but and then he started getting body blows by Matthew Wade and he had to go off the field 
to get himself checked and on the other side Bumrah was bawling his heart out because you know one ball was shot again yeah and uh, his abdominal muscle was right. actually basically straining. gave up yeah <laughs> it was kind of straining and you had uh, the support staff it's the same thing destiny was like oh Bumrah is your go-to baller is it yeah take this no more Bumrah for you Boom. yeah you had the support staff coming to him near the boundary and constantly checking with him are you okay are you okay and Bumrah kept sending them away yeah. saying no no he'll be able to manage yeah. all these things are going on but when the script was forced on India and it was Ashwin and Vihari we didn't know at that point of time but Ashwin's back had given out yeah he was not yeah, able to back. he was not able to sit and then if he sat he was not able to stand yeah and he came out to play with Vihari and that legendary legendary partnership yeah I mean all the people who complain about Pujara <laughs> right talk about slow talk batting. about slow batting <laughs> you know you gotta do what you got to do that's what test will make you do it was yeah. the most glorious slow batting I've ever watched most entertaining slow bat entertaining right yeah I mean every single ball they played you were like wow well played well left yeah well taken on the body you know they were not able to run even like a single if the ball even went till the boundary and it was some really smart batting it's not just bravery it was not blind bravery yeah it was really smart the way they split the ballers who will play who and the whole game plan that they figured out amongst themselves and mind you both of them were are not genuine batsmen Vihari is but Ashwin is not like a genuine batsman so for Vihari to have the confidence and faith on Ashwin yeah and say that hey you know what you're going to be you are as good a batsman as me so let's share the load you know there was no ego there no what you saw was pure camaraderie of a partnership yeah pure pure camaraderie and I think that's a testimony overall of how Indian team was that one clip that I saw which for me actually made me feel like dude this is exactly I wish everything was mm-hmm. and that was Jadeja was padded up yeah. with his gloves on and he couldn't even put his gloves himself because that's how badly he was damaged yeah. and Saini was sitting beside him peeling up a banana and like feeding Jadeja right. that one clip it's so inconsequential when it is out of context but when you look at it everybody was there for everybody yeah. and you just have to applaud I don't know what made that happen but the fact that every player embraced that and said like yeah we are all in it together right yeah. it's not just that there are two batsmen who are batting in the middle of the field it's also about everybody sitting in the pavilion that we have to show that confidence and I think it says a lot when you know that fifth day that partnership between Vihari and Ashwin yeah. is for me it was a team partnership because everybody was involved in it and everybody played a part I was hanging on to every ball I was counting yeah. down overs left time left yeah and oh yeah it was just the most gripping uneventful <laughs> Yeah. Phase of a test match in pure cricketing sense. Yeah. <laughs> but otherwise it was It was not uneventful. Well, uh but it it definitely was, you know, very gripping. And it it was really in Sydney that this stopped being just a run of the mill test series like any other test series. Uh it was in Sydney that you saw the margins of difference between the two teams start to pop up more and more uh, out into the open. Uh it was here that there were a lot of revelations. uh that came out which we will go into in detail but that partnership between ashwin and vihari it started off with vihari being able to just jog a little bit then he could just walk and then after tea break there inject- it was almost somebody had to like pick him and put him on the other yeah, side yeah <laughs> they had injected his uh, leg with something and it yeah. went completely numb yeah and he could not move yeah so in that situation when they were facing the bowlers there was this whole phase of the chest guard that they had to keep exchange you know, it was almost like a gully match right where you know you keep changing the bats there's one good bat among the batting team yeah. and whoever is going for batting in between balls when the strike changes you go and give the good bat to the batsman yeah, it was yeah. almost like that it was so for relatable me- <laughs> For me, it looked like these two guys together are not making up two full human bodies. Yeah. <laughs> so they were swapping organs. Yeah. <laughs> you are facing the bowling now. You yeah, take, take my liver. Take, take my, my liver. liver stand and then next over give it back. Take my lad. Yeah. <laughs> take my left lad muscle. And Ashwin uh, was trying to have someone run into the ground and Australians rightly so, reasonably so, saw that as a waste of time because they're in, yeah, that's, in their mind, you yeah. know, the time is a very it's important essence. factor. Yeah. So that was understandable. So Ashwin tried to have the umpire hold on to it. The umpire was like covid protocol, I can't do that. 
ultimately they had they had to resort to stuffing it you know so many back of so many pants. stories man i mean i mean that's the reason why i say it's not uneventful i mean uh, in, in the scorecard sense it was uneventful yeah, the solament unf- which that is right like unfortunately 20 years down the lane when people look at the scorecard right they would not understand what went in yeah they will not understand the circumstances in which they were batting yeah not just on the cricket field but overall right like yeah, yeah. they can't even exchange a guard because of the covid protocol yeah. they can't keep allowing people to come in and do things to them all these things will not unfortunately be recorded on a piece of paper and that's the unfortunate part of cricket or any sport for the matter of fact the circumstances in which some of these guys perform mm. is the crux of the overall issue that tells me that somewhere we are failing in terms of storytelling and this is something we discussed yeah. previously but we will go into that later on but come, everything we'll go into everything later on later on <laughs> like, so that you keep hanging on to our podcast but coming to that partnership again mm. like they figured out pretty quickly that vihari was having trouble facing lion because he, he had, had to, to stretch. stretch right but uh, and but he was absolutely fine against the short pitch bowling yeah that was coming at him from the other end so they figured out and they made that adjustment so that ashwin would face lion extensively and vihari would just face the quicks correct and ashwin played nathan lion so well like tall guy i don't know big was... levers you know he was able to just get to the pitch of the ball stretch out yeah but i don't know if it was nathan lion bowling in the first place because he looked so ordinary like when you look at ashwin bat mm. a quarter of an ashwin not even like a full ashwin mm-hmm. a quarter of an ashwin bat you're like why isn't lion doing anything you almost felt like that right mm. i mean i remember thinking that what is wrong with lion like this should be a cake walk for him mm-hmm. yes understandably you know the series up till then like the first two test matches was not that great but come on he got ajinkya rahane out mm. in that innings he got a firing pant out Yeah. Do Pant according to me Pant gave the wicket more than Lyon taking it. I mean on his name Two he still has two very big wickets. Huge wickets. In right? the context of the match. In the context of the match. Yeah. You're supposed to have your tails up man. Like you're supposed to get that short leg that leg slip we have three four fielders around him. Yeah. Because these guys are anyhow not even trying to score runs. Yep. I don't know what the fuck guys are doing outside the field. You know, I wanted everybody around the batsman. And this is where I come to the point as to what did Australians do wrong? Wait. We still have some ways to get to that because I'm not done with this Ashwin Vihari thing. It is just too good. Okay. Because one of the biggest or most special, most memorable moments for me, although there were a lot in Sydney, for me was when the Indian dressing room was watching what was going on. Probably they also figured out the the coaching group that yes, Ashwin is playing Lion very well. Yeah. Uh, and Vihari is playing the quicks very well. Yeah. And so they were trying to send these messages out to the batsmen ki do this, do that. Yeah. And so along with this. message that you should face lion more and you should face the quicks more they sent shardul thakur <laughs> with a bunch of these messages out in the ground and shardul thakur is nervously uh, listening to ravi shastri as he bellows these <laughs> orders at him and he runs out to the ground to the middle and ashwin is like oh, what happened what did they say what did they say <laughs> and shardul is pretty much like ah bro they sent me out with a lot of messages but i'm not going to tell you any of those you guys are playing brilliantly just keep playing just just keep playing the way you are shardul thakur pull off typically you know he encompassed a mumbaikers you know psychology attitude. of play, attitude on the field he was like hey wo log ko goli maar tum log karo jo karna hai so and just that small thing for me is like shardul thakur player of the match yeah, you know, like wonderful absolutely i would have given him like the best substitute ever wonderful thing to do he had not even played in that series yet yeah but he still had something was going on in that team everyone was just in this zone yeah exactly right and looking out for each other to the merit of the game i yeah. think everybody it looked like whoever was there and whatever role they were supposed to play they were so dedicated to that role absolutely and before we go on to the big the biggest factor which you mentioned already which is you know what was going on with australia no i'm more keen on that because i'm surprised i'm taken aback like i said before we go into that there was also something else that happened the sydney crowd had a part to play in that where yeah mohammad siraj of course first bumrah got uh, an earful from the crowd a drunk crowd from sydney supposedly non local sydney crowd supposedly <laughs> and then mohammad siraj also got an earful 
but then siraj did something different yes siraj unlike hyderabadi players you know acted as an obedient child went to the teacher and complained saying that teacher teacher these guys are calling me xyz yeah and in the australian side people who cover the game etc more more so on the australian side they started saying mohammed siraj did a heroic thing he was a hero to stand up and talk but the way we look at it i i'm not sure i bought into that because the way we look at it whenever you're complaining to the authority there's nothing heroic about that i mean just the act of you know mm, yeah i mean like i don't know if it was heroic I, exactly uh, i i wouldn't say that too but i would definitely say it sent out a message to the australian saying that oh yeah uh, you know enough of this nonsense it's not going to work anymore just stop doing it, it doesn't make any sense because we'll not put up with this nonsense mm. and you can't pick the there is no low hanging fruit basically yeah uh, every player irrespective of how experienced or inexperienced they are mm-hmm. uh they're going to put their hand up and like give it back to you or yeah. like do the rightful the needful thing do the needful do the needful having said that it's not technically heroic but it was still an amazing thing he did because yeah. there was no way the australian pr machine could have escaped it because right in the middle of the match he goes to an umpire and he says there is this problem and then rahane comes on the picture yeah and rahane says Nope, we're not going to walk out. Yeah. But you're going to have and, to do something. Hey, Empires gave that option. Empires said that hey, if you really are so, you know, offended mm. or whatever, mm. you can walk off the pitch. But right then now. what we does that the do to the result of the match if we walked off? Would it be forfeit? No, they would resolve. I mean, I think the referee would come in and then figure out what is the issue and then they would continue restart the game. That's what would have happened. Okay. It's not necessarily forfeit unless I mean, if the team is so you know concerned or it's is not at all happy with uh, the situation mm. then they forfeit and essentially Australians would have gotten a win right but so, what rahane did was absolutely fine because it was not oh, it was related great. to the game yeah so he was like hey this is nothing to do with the game it was great what siraj did as well because it could not escape into uh, just imagine what would have happened i mean there was there was no breathing space for the story to be cooked up the cameras were on yeah you know they couldn't yeah. do much There are too many cameras to turn off also like too many cameras to turn off and australian cricket tends to get into problems when the cameras are on yeah. usually yeah and uh, just imagine what would have happened if they had come out after the match happened and said oh by the way you know siraj and bumrah got an earful then you would have had all the pr uh, machinery kick off and say like oh even the australian crowd you know plays close to the line yeah. you know they don't cross the line yeah. uh i reckon uh, that would have happened yeah. but you know the other thing that i also want to bring in uh one of the reasons why this kind of an attitude is coming in to the indian players bcci is a very powerful body oh yes yeah uh, so i think even bahubali the, yeah so you know even from the bcci level the cadence is pretty clear i guess to the players saying that hey you know you don't have to be scared of if something would be taken on you or if some action will be taken on you we got your back we'll buy the ground yeah we <laughs> we will rename sydney test ground as sabakarin ground or something okay and we'll make boria to inaugurate oh my god <laughs> you know do an inauguratory function there calling in you know all the greats of indian cricket whatever but tell yes, me tell please. me the name of this yeah, ground please tell me the new name of this ground uh, david warner david warner please please so you know even we have to credit bcci Absolutely. because it has not been afraid of showing the muscle wherever it's needed and i think they're doing a decent job and again you know dada is top of everything now so that also credits a lot that these guys are giving like a guy like natrajan right uh, you know who's been there with the team like a guy like shardul thakur yeah. or mohammad siraj yeah. right they are giving probably they would have been experiencing that kind of a support for the first time right true so imagine the kind of confidence they would have gotten and bcci also came to the picture whenever these covid rules and quarantine rules got out of hand in australia yeah. a little bit yeah they also came into the picture when mid series players were told oh, oh your families can't travel yeah to the next venue i think yeah. it was sydney yeah and then ravi shastri was like i've been coming to this country for a long time yeah playing here a long time yeah i know what they will bend to and what they won't bend to yeah so i'll handle it and yeah. then he went and handled it yeah basically yeah yeah all those things right having said that nothing to be taken away from mohammad siraj you don't mess around with hyderabadis 
It was a master stroke. I'm sure it was unintentional. I'm sure Siraj thought. Yeah, he wouldn't even thought the gra- gravity of the situation. Exactly. Right? Strategically, why it was like 5D chess for yeah. him to, <laughs> in the middle of a match when cameras were on, yeah. go and bring the empire. I wonder if these guys get trained about it. Um, now, Brut, now we yeah, come to the big kahuna. The big revelation. You keep using these words, which I don't get. What is kahuna? I know kahona pyar hai. Think of it that way. <laughs> <laughs> but the biggest thing, the revelation coming out of Sydney yeah. is it sort of clued us in into what's actually going on here. Let me frame it this way, Bogus. Mm-hmm. I would like to ask you a question, right? As an outsider, you just started following the series and you kind of started getting gripped about the whole series and the turn of events and etc. Yeah. Right. What did you make of Tim Payne? Tim Payne's captaincy on the field. Or let me put it this way. What do you think went wrong for Australia, according to you? According to me, I mean, all indications pointed to the fact that they had the upper hand in Sydney until day five. Right. And by all accounts, they played well. They set themselves up to a great finish at Sydney. They had one of the best, if not the best, bowling attacks going around. They had uh, two new players who were, well, Pukowski was already out by by the day five because he got a shoulder injury. Yeah. But they still had Cameron Green. Um, Who played a brilliant innings. Brilliant 80 uh, plus. What an amazing innings that was. Like he just kept whacking it out of the ground. And all those things going for them. And the fact that they were bowling on day five. Where the Sydney pitch was not really a drop in or an artificial or anything. It was Sydney. It was everything that Australia asked. Yeah. It was the proper Sydney pitch that they had grown up with. Yeah. So they knew exactly what would have happened. Granted, after the match, they said, oh, it did not play as much as it should have or whatever. Because you didn't bowl as much as you should have <laughs> but just the tactics were so confounding Amateur. because i couldn't imagine with everything they had going for them why were they not able to bowl india out on a day five pitch but i could clearly see mentally there was something off they were getting too frustrated for their own good like as if they suddenly found out that they were playing in a match that went on for long like five days mm. you know like what is the reason for that frustration like you're at the end of the match you've done all the work why is this getting to you so much that tim Payne, the model good boy captain who's there to save australia after sandpaper gate is now losing his mind getting into mental disintegration tactics and dropping a few balls his bowlers are balling the same thing over and over again it's not working out granted the bowlers also have some agency to you know change the decision or whatever yeah but as the captain does he also not have enough authority to come and say guys this is not working out maybe we should try something different why was none of that happening yeah absolutely and this is what i i kind of smelt it at melbourne okay you know everybody is making this hue and cry about oh this is not the australian way of playing cricket and it is true it is not the way australians play their cricket if any other Australian team had two injured batsmen, either they would basically knock them out, which is the ruthless approach that Australians have. Yeah. Or they would just figure out a way to get these guys out. But for some funny reason, none of that flavor was to be seen. You have Pat Cummins, fair enough, not working. Mitchell Stark, fair enough, not working. Josh Hazelwood, okay, fair enough, not working. I have a personal problem with how Lion Bolt Lion was not effective at all. And then you had a Green, who's a conventional all-rounder. Yeah. Who bowled decently well. I wouldn't say he bowled extraordinarily well. Yeah. And on top of it, you had a part-timer in Labushin. Yeah. Not to forget Steve Smith. Even Steve Smith has some genuine international wickets. And he can roll over his arm for at least like about 10 hours or so. So you technically had seven bowlers with you. Mm -hmm. Where you could have mixed and matched. And you had like, what, you had about 45-50 overs. Yeah. And the batsmen are not willing to move all those things right yeah. i mean let's get into the scenario after this now this is your repository you had seven bowlers three spinners four genuine pace bowlers and green is no slow bowler medium yeah. pacer he upper 130s early 140s right they never allowed him to bowl enough to get into his groove i just don't understand that on top of it it was not four wickets all you needed was two wickets for you to win the match technically technically right? the rest of the two you would have gotten it even if you didn't try your 100 percent it was very high chances that a Boomerang and a Siraj mm-hmm. or a Saini yeah. would have played it off. Yeah. So yeah. you technically needed two wickets. That's it. And somehow they kept managing not to take wickets. And not just that, they didn't even attack them the way they should have attacked. That's the key word, the way they should have attacked. Yeah, the because way Australians generally attack. I just Every commentator, Shane Vaughan, Glenn McGrath, everybody were saying, yeah. oh my sweet lord, why are they not doing it? 
And you know what is the thing that like really took me aback? The moment they started bowling that short pitch delivery, they just didn't stop it. Yeah. You know, they just kept going on and on and on and on with that short pitch bowling. And I was like, why are they bowling short pitch? It's almost like they want the draw more than Indians. Mm. Now I would go to the other side. Like, where do you see the problem? Do you blame Tim Payne? I think for what happened. Any self-respecting captain, because he has some authority and some agency over the team, should take blame and should take some accountability for what's happening on the field. Because your coaching staff, at the max, can only send you messages if they want to say something. But you are on the field, you're managing your bowlers, their fitness levels, energy levels, whatever it is. But you yourself are caught up in some other game plan where you're frustrated that something is not working out. You're focusing more on banter or sledging. And you also have Matthew Wade throwing balls all said Hanuma Vihari out of frustration from that fielding position. Yeah. All these things were happening like bowlers were trying to hit them in their ribs just with that short pitch bowling. Just get them disoriented enough so that maybe they'll put their bat out. I and mean, which is a funny thing, right? The fact that they thought they can injure the batsman out more than pick his wicket. Yeah. And these are not just any bowlers. These are the top three, top four bowlers of the world yeah. in the test arena. Yeah. And they are thinking like this. It just doesn't fit well for me. It just doesn't seem right. The one time Ashwin did give them an opportunity, uh, a subfielder in Sean Abbott dropped the catch. The other couple of rare times where yes, the short balling did get to Ashwin's body to an angle, a weird yeah. angle where he stuck his bat out. Yeah. The ball flew and landed in no man's zone. Like right. they didn't have a fielder standing yeah. there for some odd Bad reason. field setting. The Indians did really great by the way. Yeah. In covering those angles. Right? Rahane. Rahane was brilliant with that field placement. Yeah. But we had nothing of that sort to be seen, which was was a disappointment for me because I want to see I watch India Australia. tour Australia for that vigor in the game because of the standard that Australia has yeah, set and for you the know, game as great as their batting was and purely on the merit of the kind of bowling they did Australians were missing one trick too many and this is where I started thinking that okay is the game really being played on the field or is it being played in their heads or elsewhere elsewhere are the decisions being made somewhere else yeah and we were forced to ask that question and I noticed that just after Sydney when we both had a conversation about the match both of us pointed this out when you look at the players on paper their capability their talent their skill and the kind of decisions that were being taken yeah and when you look at the post-match reaction where people were just, trying to ask questions about Payne himself about Matthew Wade for some time which was so unfortunate about Nathan Lyon justifiably Lyon I'm I'm absolutely behind that question like what the fuck was Lyon doing right but if you really had to evaluate yes Tim Payne did make a few mistakes but were those mistakes big enough for them to have cost that Sydney match uh, yes maybe Nathan Lyon made a few judgment errors but was that enough to make up or explain away the whole performance of Australia? You, you don't do that at that. It was not adding up. Not just adding up. It almost looked like two different storylines altogether. Yeah. I mean, what happened post-match didn't seem to be going in tune with what happened during the match. Yeah. I mean, I'm talking from the media perspective, uh, the experts and everything. So when I started hearing all these guys speak, I like, these were the same guys who were telling something else mm. during the match. Like, why aren't they telling it now? You know, it's almost like somebody gave them like a written bound script after the match and they're like, okay, fine, all you need to do is stick to these dialogues. The biggest revelation that came out after Sydney was there's something going on in that Australian dressing room which is in deep contrast to what was going on in the Indian dressing room. Yeah. By the end of Sydney none of us really knew what exactly was going on in there but it was something very special. Yeah. But when you look at the other side it was the exact opposite yeah. and it became very clear that maybe the things that are going wrong with Australia is not so much on field or with the players themselves but there is a deeper darker root cause to all of this and this is what we will go into depth after we finish cover our GABA test match. So definitely look out for that. Follow the series with us. Write to us at mindnagap at gmail.com if you also caught on to these clues as the series was going on. If you were part of that minority that actually could see or could read between the lines. Uh, we're looking forward to hearing your feedback and we'll catch you in the next episode. But until then, Thai Gap, subscribe and share. And share, guys. Hey, thanks for listening. You can follow this podcast on Spotify to get notified of new episodes every Thursday. We're also on Apple Podcasts for those of you who have partaken in the forbidden fruit. If you liked what you heard, leave us a five-star rating and a comment. Say anything like the quick brown fox jumped over the lazy dog. A rating and a comment really helps us out. It's free, and I'm told 
that's a great price. But enough about us, huh? Tell us about yourself. Leave us a comment. Our Twitter is at thigap and we are underscore thigap on Instagram.